grateful for a church that uh, shows respect for the day and for the reality behind the day of so many who paid such a price to provide for us. And Brother Chuck's message, um, as far as you're able, be at peace with all men, as far as you're able. But because it takes two to tango, sometimes you can't. And so then you get that next passage in Romans 13, power of the sword given to the government. That's the military and law enforcement to protect its citizenry. And we thank God for those who served in the military and now are who protect us from those who would do us harm. Very, very, very grateful. And so you saw the Marines and saw the flag presentation. Pretty meaningful, huh? Our first Bible study had to get together yesterday. I'm going to step up here. I'm feeling so small. <laughs> so, oh, that's what you look like. Uh, our first hour had to get together in Independence Park yesterday, a little barbecue, and two of the Marines came as guests. And we had a few Marines in our group, and they posted the colors, the Marine flag here and the United States flag. And we had a little processional, and these Marines came, and they were touched, but not nearly as much as we were by what they've done on our behalf. So great, great day. Two colonels, I guess Brother Chuck mentioned, were supposed to be with us. And uh, they have their priorities right. One got mobilized to Morocco, of all places. Uh, You can only wonder what the mission is. And then another got mobilized to an even more remote foreign country, uh, New York. (laughs) And uh, it's my home state. We thank God for Marines and members of all other branches of the uh, of the service we're we're grateful my daughter-in-law is with us this weekend from north carolina she's there my son is stationed at fort bragg and he didn't wasn't able to get orders they're on a different a certain status and they can't get away and so she came and she brought the flag of the 82nd airborne that she's presenting to her bible study group they're having their retreat at danbury today and it's a big old 82nd airborne flag that i really want but i thought uh Probably not a good idea to steal it from her. So anyway, we are really, really grateful, as Gene so well said, for the opportunity we have to come gathered around the Lord Jesus. We make no bones about it. Uh, we love him because of what he has done for us. He's our Lord and Savior. Ain't no other. We're not looking for a better deal. <laughs> We're the people of God. We're not better than anybody else, but he sure has provided for us a better way and longs to do it for all who will call upon his name. And our church remains very committed to that very narrow proposition that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by him. may not be statistically acceptable, politically correct, but it happens to be an accurate reflection of what the Scriptures say. So thank God for the, this church and ones like it that take our marching orders from the scriptures. In fact, we're going to look at them today. Thank you for uh, listening to me last week um, uh, about a topic near and dear to my heart, and uh, I got it out for uh, for a spell. And uh, Miss Sue, I got to love you. Miss Sue Foshi is my agent. And no, I'm kidding. If you want a copy of what we spoke about last week, uh, it is available in the bookstore or on our website, and it's entirely up to you. It's labeled a response to the president's uh, Middle Eastern policy. I hope it's a respectful response to the office, but I do not respect the position 
uh, I don't think it's uh, pleasing to God. And we, uh, uh, I think, are authorized to take exception and do whatever we could about it. So anyway, thank you, Sue, for, for uh, hawking my wares. <laughs> By the way, you look wonderful in your red, white, and blue today. Very wonderful. And you are too, Brenda. You look beautiful. That's wonderful. Look. Hey, I like the bow. Nice, Brenda. I am glad you're happy to have been born here and a citizen of the United States. And you're not afraid to show it. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I'm glad. Glad, glad, glad. Um, your brother? I did, I did not know that. He was in the Gulf War. Wonderful, Brenda. She couldn't come today. He would have really found this meaningful. Why don't you get a copy of it? And maybe he'll view it. Thanks, Brenda. Now, Brenda, now that you got all that out. <laughs> so we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. And We'll begin in verse uh, 39. Luke's gospel record of the life of Christ has distinctives, one of which is he seems to uplift the marginalized real well, like women. Marginalized in particular in that day. Women had no independent existence vocationally or in, in other ways, kind of disenfranchised members. But the Lord Jesus uplifts the status of all, the marginalized and everybody else. And you see this reflected in Luke's presentation. And so today you're going to see the marvelous way in which he presents a transaction between two ladies, Elizabeth and Mary, as if they're standard bearers, not just for other ladies, but for all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. So take a gander here, verse 39. Now at this time, here's one of the ladies, Mary, arose and went, not casually, not lackadaisically, she went in a hurry. You understand she just received news uh, from an angel that she's going to be with child, though she's not been with a man. And that the whole episode will be explained by God prevailing upon her. And she said, I don't get it, but I accept it. I'm really paraphrasing. She said it in a much more wonderful way. But that's essentially what she said. But can you imagine? She's a teenager, and uh, this is quite an overwhelming thing. So with haste, uh, she's going to go visit someone. You'll see in a second. Anyway, she went in a hurry to the hill country of Austin, uh, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we don't know where in the hill country of Israel this is exactly. Hilly area around Jerusalem, I think we're safe to say. But we don't know the specific locale. We knew her starting point. She went from north to south. North, Nazareth, Galilee, and she's going south to visit somebody in the hill country around the environs of Jerusalem. And this being the case, the journey probably was about 80 miles not so easy, probably on a donkey, rough roads, dangerous, robbers, ne'er-do-wells along the way, unusual. I don't know if she was accompanied by anyone, we're not told, but she's a teenage gal, 
Um, I just want you to get a sense. You know what I want you to get a sense for as we go through this today? The extraordinary taking place through the ordinary. It's just what God does. Extraordinary things through ordinary vessels and vehicles like Mary, like you, like me. That's just the way it is. I think it makes God's work even more magnificent. He does marvelous, marvelous things through us. (laughs) It's quite amazing. And so this little girl, this young little girl, makes the journey about 80 miles uh, to some place in the hilly area around Jerusalem. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So you know about Zacharias. He was mentioned earlier on, husband of Elizabeth. They'll be the parents of John, who will be the baptizer or forerunner of the Lord. The text says, when Mary entered his house, Zacharias's, she greeted Elizabeth. I don't think we should assume from this that she did not acknowledge Zacharias, but it specifically says she greeted Elizabeth. I take it to mean verbally why would she perhaps not have greeted Zacharias verbally? Perhaps. Uh, Yes, you're right, Mary. Absolutely. He couldn't speak. Do you remember he was kind of struck dumb because of his unbelief? And so you can imagine if he was there, I'm only speculating. And by the way, this is what you want to do with the text. Not speculate, but but become so enamored by it that you're envisioning if you were there, what does it look like? What, what were the sights? What were the sounds? And so I'm just wondering, if he was there, how did this transpire? This little girl comes into the house and maybe nods to Zacharias. I, I, I mean, I don't know. And then says, Elizabeth. And these two ladies then have much to, I mean, I don't know. Did somebody have, yes, ma'am. Well said. Here's the insights. Really good. One, she's a young girl. She undoubtedly wanted to bond. And it does say in a hurry. Boy, she made. She wanted to bond with a lady who could relate. But also the culture of the day, I think you're right, would have maybe suggested a protocol so maybe she would not have spoken directly to them. That's a good insight. I don't know the answers. But, see, again, when you read the Bible, you've got to go real slow to have this conversation with yourself when you're reading. Don't, don't speed read the Bible. Become absorbed in it. Wonder, ask questions like, like these. So that's very good. So she comes into the house. Now, this implies Elizabeth was receiving visitors. But she had not been willing to do so for five months of her pregnancy. In fact, can you back up to verses 34 and 35? Take note of this. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months. See? One of our classes, uh, one of the men said, why? And uh, so let me respond just by giving some thoughts. I don't know. uh, The text doesn't tell us why, so therefore we, we, we want to wonder about it. Here's some thoughts. Maybe she did so. Because the excitement of the people at the pregnancy this lady later in years was experiencing might, might have been so such an exciting community venture that maybe she wanted to just stay private for a little while longer. Some say maybe she kept herself in seclusion because this 
I'm sure you can understand in human terms would be a high-risk pregnancy, would it not? Now, I know God prevails, don't, but that's what I, I, I want to say. There's the divine, extraordinary work, but it's through ordinary vessels. So she has hormones and physiology and body chemistry and all the rest like, like any other human does. And if she's older now, I, I under, I'm, I, it's my understanding, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, ladies in particular, as, as one gets older, it becomes more of a high-risk pregnancy. Is that not the case? So, so some people say maybe, I mean, she didn't want to get jostled and bumped or something by being in contact with too many people. Some people say she kept herself away because she didn't want to become ceremonially unclean and thus defile the baby she was carrying because that was the notion in that day. Some people could be ceremonially unclean through disease. Um, if she went around and got in the midst of a funeral procession, contact with a, a deceased person was such that you would incur a kind of a ceremonial uncleanness. So maybe she wanted to stay apart for that reason. Some say, look, let's face it, she's a human. Maybe she was a little self-conscious, even ashamed about being pregnant at this late stage in her life. You know, she, 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 she would, as uh, Ricky Ricardo would say, she'd have a lot of splaining to do. And, you know, <laughs> how did this happen? So maybe she just wanted to avoid that. I don't know. Some people say this is such an extraordinary announcement and eventuality that was given to her that, she just wanted to be alone with the Lord, undistracted by human contact and explanations and reasonings and questions and just wanted to pour out her heart in a private devotional way to God, maybe. And then some say maybe she stayed apart because she was waiting for there to be clear, indisputable physical evidence of the fact that she was indeed with child. And some ladies, now ladies, you're going to have to help me here if I'm messing this up. Um, but it's, it's my observation that some ladies show differently than others. Some ladies, I mean, they could be early in their pregnancy and they're carrying up front, you know. And oh my goodness, they turn, you, like my wife, holy moly, with one of our kids, I mean, she, it was, I, I used to ask her, she didn't like this, I didn't mean to be a wise guy, but I was wondering, I used to say, how do you keep from tipping over? Because it was, but there are other ladies who, they could be advanced in the pregnancy eight months along, and boy, they, they're barely showing, you see. So maybe Elizabeth was saying, let me give it some time until I show, so that the naysayers who say, you're not pregnant, you're too old, then she could say, well, then how do you explain this? You see, she could, I, I don't know. Some people say, wait a second, her husband uh, could not speak and to spare him the embarrassment of being out and about, people asking, what's wrong with your husband? How come you're doing all the talking? Maybe they just decided to stay away from the crowd for a spell until this passed. So here's the deal. We don't know <laughs> why she was in seclusion for five months. It could be one or more of the uh, explanations uh, I just advanced. But here's my point. Just delight in wrestling with the text. The goal is not to know all things with dogmatism. The goal is the process of being seated at the Lord's feet 
and being immersed in the text and asking questions, imagining, getting closer to the text and remembering how wondrous is God and how great it will be to be in his presence when all of these things will be settled for all of us in an instant. So just enjoy the te- the process of being engaged by the text. Don't read the Bible too fast, otherwise you'll miss, you'll miss a bunch of this stuff. Well, anyway, verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, we're not told about Elizabeth's response, but we're told about the babies, the baby, the baby in her, Elizabeth, leaped in her womb. Now, folks, babies move, don't they? When in wombed, I actually saw it one time at one point with one of our kids. My wife was carrying this kid, and all of a sudden, I guess it was his foot or something, boom, and it like protruded almost, you know. And I was just thinking, what in the world is in there? <laughs> it's like something out of Twilight Zone. <laughs> what is happening? But I don't think that's what this is talking about. The normal movement of a, an enwombed child because this was right on time, wasn't it? When Elizabeth, the birth mom, heard Mary's greeting, boom, the unborn forerunner of the unborn Messiah responded. Fantastic. The extraordinary through the ordinary. Really wonderful. And at this time, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, do you know that the Holy Spirit always was? Because he is a he, not an it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a person, namely God. There's God, the Father. And there's God, the Son. And there's God, the Holy Spirit. Just had wonderful conversation with a beautiful gal this week and from a different perspective, and uh, she's from a background where, where they did not believe that they surely believe in one God, but not three persons, and so we, we're discussing things together. Let's just put it that way, and, and, but we, we attach the characteristics of divinity to all three persons of the Trinity, because the Bible does. So... The Father is God, the Son is just as much God, and the Holy Spirit is just as much God. Though the Holy Spirit, therefore, always existed because God has no beginning nor any end, he manifested himself differently. So before Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 records Pentecost, what a day. It actually was a Jewish pilgrim feast, Shavuot, when Jews would be up there in Jerusalem, all these different people, uh, language groups at Pentecost from the word 50, 50 days after Passover, Shavuot. Um, the Holy Spirit came in a marvelous and dramatic way, manifesting as, as with flames, uh, tongues, just magnificent. Prior to that, the Holy Spirit existed, but didn't manifest quite that way. Uh, he would come upon people for special ministrations, maybe prophecy, maybe giftedness in construction of the temple or something. But on Pentecost, Jesus had been crucified before, resurrected and ascended. And he said, don't be afraid. I'm going to send another helper. 
the Greek construction, you've got to trust me on this, when it says another helper, it means another helper of the same kind. So here we're not talking about a human helper. We're talking of a helper of the same essence of him. So the risen God is sending the descending God, the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian, you've got two helpers. Really good. You have one on the throne and you've got one in you. Isn't that good? You have a helper in heaven, you've got a helper on earth. Really good. So, so, so the Holy Spirit came in a new, fresh way in Acts chapter 2 to indwell believers permanently, not for special ministration or time, but permanently. You'll never have to pray, Oh God, take not thy spirit from me. No, that's old covenant. He'll never, he'll never leave you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is not Acts chapter 2 right now. So filled, and to be filled by the Holy Spirit means to be influenced. That's why the Bible says, do not be made drunk with wine, but be filled by the Holy Spirit. You take the two together. Don't be under the influence of alcohol. Oh, no. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see how the Holy Spirit influences Elizabeth. Namely, she's going to be able to perceive this transaction with Mary with eyes that go beyond human understanding. Certain things are going to be given her directly by the Holy Spirit. Certain attitudes and perceptions that are not attributable to her own wit and wisdom. So she's filled with the Holy Spirit here. And it says, verse 42, she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you. She's speaking to Mary. Elizabeth is speaking to Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. If you have a Bible that says, Blessed are you above women, please keep it, but it is not the best rendering. It ought to say, Blessed are you among women, not above women. Be careful about this. Balance. This Mary is worthy of respect, but not of worship. So be careful about this. Uh, Mary is to be respected, but not to use the language of another faith group, not venerated. Look, Mary is to be respected, but not prayed to. Her baby is to be is the mediator. <laughs> between man and God, but not, but not Mary. Blessed among, but not above women. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. For there's one God. Do you believe that? Yeah. Many people in the world will accept that part. There is one God. The next part is a sticking point. For there's one God and one mediator also. One mediator also. In case you're wondering who he is, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. Most of the world's population will accept part A of that proposition but reject part B. Part A, there's one God. Part B, there's only one mediator, one way to God. No. But that's what the Bible says. So don't look to another mediator. Mary's not the mediator. Saints are not the mediator. You don't have to pray to saints. You should not. Nobody's the media. What do you say, Brenda? Oh, First uh, Timothy. I hope I'm giving you the right reference. Chapter two, uh, verses. Uh, can anyone confirm it? Verses five and six. Is that about right? Thanks. So that kind of settles it. Is it narrow? Oh yeah, it's narrow. Is it true? Yeah, it's true. 
It's not just First Timothy. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. And no one comes to the Father but by me. See, once again. So you want to respect Mary. But, but, but remember, she's just a human personage. You know who she is? She's a teenage little Jewish girl. <laughs> Ordinary. Through whom God in his sovereign choice and will is doing an extraordinary thing. Messiah is going to come from her. But don't pray to Mary. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no biblical basis for that. Hey, let me stir up the pot a little bit here. Um, I don't know the answer to this. Maybe you do. I guess that's what stirs it up. I'm uncertain, but you may be certain. I'm not certain that Mary was pregnant at this time. They are, but I don't know if they were at this time. Because remember, Mary stayed with her a spell. Here's my thinking. Could it not be possible? I mean, the announcement was made to Mary that she will be with child. But I don't know exactly when that happened. Could it not be possible that it happened while she was here? Meaning, what chaperones Zechariah and Elizabeth? And she's apart from her husband-to-be, Joseph. He's back at the ranch. And therefore, people could not say, oh, I know you're pregnant, but, but you're pregnant by your husband. No, he's back there, and these two people can vouch for the fact that I've been alone. I don't know this. I, I'm not stating it as dogma. Don't misunderstand. Just when I wrestled with the text, I'm asking myself the question. I don't know the point at which this marvelous work of God in Mary's life actually took place. I know of the announcement. I know about it. And I know when the announcement is made, it's spoken of sometimes as if it did happen. But that's what prophecy is like. So, so you say, but, but, how, but how could Elizabeth say what she did? Well, that's my point. If she was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit might have revealed to her supernaturally what's going to happen in Mary's life. You don't have to buy that. I'm just telling you, I don't. I don't know. I hope it doesn't. Sh- it shouldn't shake anyone's faith. What's the Holy? Although I think it did. A lady in the last class, she kind of left in a, in a huff. I don't mean. I, I, I'm asking for for help here. Uh, uh, I actually don't know, Mary. Yeah. 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 And Mary makes perfect sense. She said she has always understood, and I think very likely rightly, that when the baby in Elizabeth left, it was in response to the baby in Mary. And uh, you make a very strong point. But I'm just wondering if the baby, because it says when he heard the greeting. So I just don't know f- know for sure. Are you with me, Randy? It's not, yeah. Yeah. The vessel, yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to shake up anything, but it's such a familiar... You know, when you're dealing with a familiar passage, you're going to have a tendency to read real quick. Read it, let me skip. No, no, my only point is don't do that. Read it uh, with a, 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 a freshness, you know, a kind of wonderment and, and amazement. Uh, in the last few classes, we went back and forth. Um, excellent points both ways. And, and what, emerges, what emerged from the discussion for me is I don't think you can know. At what point 
because everyone was making both uh, on both sides really, really excellent, excellent points. So tell me if you're coming up with something there that could help us out on this. Oh, yes, ma'am. Listen, Lisa makes an excellent point. Blessed is, present tense, the fruit of your womb, not blessed will be. Yes, I got you there. Makes a good point. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So nice point. Uh, in the culture, her parents would surely not have allowed a young girl to go off, but if she was pregnant and needing the solace and comfort of, of another lady with an unusual pregnancy. You make excellent, excellent points. Excellent, excellent points. And that's kind of the idea. I just want you to think about what you're reading. Uh, when you read it, otherwise you're going to think, been there, done that, got the shirt. No, it's fresh every time you, every time you, you read it. Are we still friends? You mean I brought that up? Okay. I didn't realize it would stir up things quite as much as they did in prior classes. I'm not trying to insult anyone. I'm just trying to admit not a position but a question. I just have a, Okay. All righty. There you go. Although uh, what you shared is very, very helpful in, in addressing the issue. So I have to give some thought to that. Okay. Uh, Verse 43, Elizabeth says, How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? I think this is an evidence of what it means to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There there are sometimes very dramatic manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to minimize those, but I think those are the exception to the rule. Generally, it's a transformed life. And what are we seeing here? Now, get this. Elizabeth's older than Mary. Elizabeth is higher up on, in the, on the, the, the strata of society. She's married to a priest. Elizabeth and her husband are living in Jerusalem, which was a big cosmopolitan city. Mary's a teenager from a dinky place called Nazareth, which we know of full well now, but I have to tell you it wasn't on the tourist stop then. Just like 130, 40, maybe 50 people, kind of country folk. Not much. And I'm just, I find it remarkable that Elizabeth doesn't seem to be embittered. Oh, God, why am I only carrying the forerunner of the Lord? And she's got the Lord. Why not me? No, you don't get any of this kind of a thing. She says, how has it happened that you would come to me? It's that humility, I think, that which is one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit. Today, people sometimes speak more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we ought to, uh, but maybe a little too much, more than the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The, the, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is this quality of humility, you know. And that's why it says the Bible says you can do this, that, and the other thing, but if you don't have love, you're kind of just a lot of noise, you know what I mean? That's not to minimize the, any expression of the Holy Spirit. It's just to say what God is really about is tran- a transformed life, not a not a supernatural gift. Anyway, uh, oh, yes, sir. Now, Morris brings up a great point. It's a past tense statement here, is it not? Uh, How's it happened to me that the mother of my Lord, as if it's already the, the case? 
very, very excellent point. Now, if I was challenging it, and it would not be Morris because you're my friend, I would not do it. Um, some would say, no, no. It, she could have, by the Holy Spirit, been speaking in anticipation. A lot of times when you see prophecy, the prophet speaks of a future event as if it's already occurred. It's so certain of accomplishment. So that's what some people would say, but not me, Morris. As mom. No, not as a prophet, but this could be uh, the manifestation of her being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some would say, but Morris, you keep going. I'm really, here's the deal, folks. Whenever um, somebody is bigger than me, I really agree with them fully. It's just something I've learned to live by. So that means just about everyone, huh? Okay, so look, how about this one? Now that we're stirring things up, how about this? Tell me if I... Correct me about this, and I really mean it. I am not aware of a place in the Bible where Mary is anywhere referred to as the mother of God. You think I'm right about that? I think I am too. But may, See, he, she, mother of my Lord. You may say, Stuart, what's the difference? The Lord is a reference to Jesus. Jesus is God. Therefore, Mary is the mother of God. Not exactly. She's the mother of Jesus, God enfleshed a reference to his humanity. It can't be that she's the mother of God because that would imply that the infinite came into being through the finite. God is not birthed. He has no beginning nor any end, but Mary has both a beginning and an end. So here you have this marvelous mystery of God enfleshed, and he's going through the birth process, the Lord Jesus, and in that sense, she's his mother, but she's not the mother of God, in the sense that his being is due to her. So I think it's not just a word game. I think it's important. Mother of the Lord, not mother of God. For behold, verse 44, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Therein you find, if we can say secret to success, I don't know if that's the right term, secret to success in living the victorious life, believe what God has said. It's as simple as that. Someone has said the believing soul is the blessed, is the blessed soul. I can't help but thinking that poor Elizabeth is uh, confronted with the stark contrast between her husband's response to God's promise and this little girl's response to God's promise. Her husband heard from the same angel about this wonderful birth, and he could not accept it as being true and was stricken because of it, can't even speak now. But this little, little teenage girl, she said earlier on, God, I explained to me, I don't understand, I don't get it. And even though she didn't get it, she said, let it be done to me in accordance with your word. I can't help but thinking uh, that Mary Elizabeth is struck with the contrast. It's phenomenal to me. The male, the older male priest doesn't get it. <laughs> the younger female, nobody gets it. 
It's as if Luke, the gospel writer, is showing us again the uh, standards by which we construct the strata of society mean nothing (laughs) in the kingdom of God. So it says there is no longer any male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. That doesn't mean these earthly distinctions are gone. I mean, there's still men and women here and all the rest. That's not what it means. It means with respect to positioning. No. In God's economy, the great equalizer, human sin, and our Savior who died for it. (laughs) That's a great equalizer between all these people groups. So I just find this to be um, a marvelous overturning (laughs) of the classification system of of society. Now, uh, some people, I think, might misunderstand what does it mean to have faith? You know, you hear, if you only believe, if you only believe, or I'm believing with you, hear these expressions. What does that mean? Um, Sometimes people think biblical faith means um, imagining an outcome that you sorely desire and believing on it as something God is going to do for you. Could I tell you that is not, I think, what the distinctive of biblical faith is? I think biblical faith is a little different. It sort of says, God, this is the outcome I'm seeking and praying for. It might be a job. It might be a healing, something really valid, good things. But the person of biblical faith is essentially saying, though, God, I have specified my request and I have stated what I desire. I have enough confidence in you to make the final decision. So I'm not going to presume upon you for a specific outcome because I do not have your mind entirely. I don't understand things as you do. And God, though this is difficult for me to say, it could be that you choose to accomplish more through my malady or through my unemployment or through the distress I'm presently going through than if I was to be free of it. And God, I'm not seeking that, nor do I understand it. But I have enough confidence in you to say, not my will, but thy will be done. Folks, that is biblical faith. The other kind of faith is to use your faith kind of to manipulate God to do for you what you have already determined is in your best interest. I'm believing, I'm confessing, I'm not letting doubt enter into my mind, and I'm even finding people to enter into agreement with me about it. That, that is not biblical faith. That is not biblical faith. So be careful. You say, what about this? Listen to me. A very specific word was given to Mary. She very specifically believed on it. She didn't fully understand it. She believed on it. If God gives you a very specific word, do the same as Mary. Believe on it. Where is he going to give you a specific word? I'm not putting God in a box, but I believe primarily through the Bible. But, but you've got to be careful about kind of going on a shopping trip in the Bible, finding something, grabbing onto it, sort of claiming it as your verse. Better to find out if it applies to you. Do you know everything is relevant in the Bible, but not everything directly applies? So you're looking through the Bible and your eye falls upon this. Pluck out your eye. It's in the Bible. 
But surely a thinking person would say, let me read the verses before, let me read the verses after. Oh, I got it. It's a very strong principle. If you're looking at things which are waging war against your soul, stop looking at it. It's not a literal pull out the eye. You know that. Why? Because you know about something called a figure of speech, something called hyperbole, which takes place in all literature, and that is deliberate exaggeration to make a truth. That's deliberate exaggeration. If your right eye offends, you pluck it out. I was a mental health counselor one time, and someone was admitted into our unit who actually attempted to do that, to pluck it. That's not, that's not, it's a figure. How do you know that? Well, you've got to slow down and kind of examine the Scripture. So be careful about going on a shopping expedition. This says what I want. This says what I want. Yeah, but God put things in sentences and context and all the rest, just like any other literature. So you have to examine it before you make the application. In other words, there's only one correct interpretation of every verse in the Bible, but there may be many applications of it, for sure. A passage may apply differently to you than to me, but we all have to start with the same interpretive standards. Read the words, see what it says, who's it addressed to, what's the purpose, just, the, just those kinds of things. So, so be careful about just saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. What? Do you believe in yourself? What, what do you believe in? I believe I was with somebody else. I believe that uh, this aircraft is going to get me from Houston to San Francisco. I, 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 oh, I, okay, on what basis? On what? Ba- A lot of people feel let down by God. They say, "Well, man, I believe God for it." You entered into agreement. By the way, this whole concept of entering into agreement. Hey, listen, I'm sorry for stirring everything up here, but. Um, you know, it's in a Matthew text where two or three agree. Could you please read the context there? You know what God is saying? I'm giving authority to leaders on earth to apply church discipline. If two of you leaders agree on the action to be taken with regard to the discipline of a wayward brother or sister, it is confirmed in heaven. People just take that to have this principle of agreement. I'm in agreement with you. I'm in agreement. What does that mean? If I find one of you to agree that I get a Jaguar for Christmas. <laughs> do we, I'm being facetious now. I don't mean to. I just want to make the point that that's not what it means. By the way, I don't need someone to agree with me when I go to the Father. Abba Father, I don't have to team up. I don't have to gang up on him. I'm his kid. You're his kid. That's not what it means. It's a structure. It's a hierarchy. Some have to apply church discipline. It's a scary, shaky thing. By what authority? Jesus says, I give it to you. Whatever you people agree, you leaders agree on, on earth is confirmed in heaven. Please just check out the text. Matthew 18 is what it is. I hate to be challenging all these things except to say, there's a tremendous drift away from what the plain and simple word of God says. And so a lot of us are embracing certain practices and traditions that have no resemblance to what's said in the scriptures. Now, I know people have personal experiences and traditions, but unless you're foisting those up as the highest authority, then you have to submit all those to the authority of the Bible. So anyway... Mary's 
confidence in the Lord in spite of her lack of comprehension is to be emulated because God said this shall happen. So let me give you some examples. Dear folks, this is a rough day in which we live. You want to hear some things God has said? God has told us Jesus is coming again. Be confident about it. He's going to return. We can differ on the timing of things, you know, but uh, we Christians believe he's going to come again. Wonderful. Um, the Bible says that uh, God is going to, to judge evil and evildoers. It's very distressing to us today. Have faith. Be blessed in believing that the Lord Jesus, the righteous judge, will judge unrighteousness. It's an unsettled day, but um, we're told by God that we can come to him when we're weary and heavy laden and he'll give us rest. Cash in on that. We're told that one day um, there won't any longer be any mourning or crying or tears. I have my perspective on the chronology of that. You may have yours. I hope we can lovingly differ. But, uh, but, but we agree there's going to come a day, a new dimension, don't we, when the last enemy death has been taken care of and disease and all that stuff is cast behind our backs. The first things have passed away. Cash in on that. Uh, the Bible tells us we'll be with him forever. Isn't that wonderful? We'll worship him. Unbridled, unlimited, tiresome worship and service around the throne of the Lamb. Cash in on that. The Bible says set your mind on Things above, not on things that are on earth. doesn't mean you ignore things on earth, but just be focused on heavenly realities. You see, so all these things are available to us, and, and the believing person will be the blessed person. Blessed, good things, peace and joy and those, those kinds of things. So I don't think Zechariah should be the standard bearer in, regard, in spite of his gender and status and age. I think this little teenage girl... <laughs> from the country, <laughs> in this case, is a better example to emulate. God spoke, she heard, she believed, and she was blessed. Lord Jesus, you've spoken in manifold ways so that uh, we've heard. And now it's ours to believe, to have questions, to be enamored, to be astonished, sure. To doubt what you've clearly said will come to pass, that's another story. Help us to be enraptured by clear truth, not dumbfounded as was Zechariah's. Simple confidence and trust in you, manifested by Mary. We would rather be like her. So would you so fill us with your spirit, enable us to be so much under his influence that the same quality of trust in you would be engendered in our lives as well. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you folks. I hope you have a meaningful Memorial Day celebration, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Miss Brenda.
that is an excellent point. We do not have a record telling us how did Elizabeth know. Correct. Not the sight of her or anything. That's why I'm wondering. 